I said meet us back at the truck. I, I got, got sidetracked. Welcome back to another episode of the Indiana Jones Universe, a podcast in which we learn more about the character of Indiana Jones, exploring other content in the Indiana Jones Universe. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Max. And thanks for joining us for another episode. Uh, We are back here with the podcast after a uh, three-month break uh, due to the current global situation that is going on. Uh, But we decided, you know what? We can't not talk about Indiana Jones every week, so uh, we are back recording virtually. Uh, So again, apologies for the long, uh, prolonged absence from recording. Um, In light of this kind of situation, uh, we have actually stepped out of the dark ages, uh, and we have now created a Facebook account, uh, which can kind of uh, communicate further information and announcements like this. So if you want to like us and follow us there, you can find us at the Indiana Jones Universe podcast. I mean, that'll be a great way to stay up to date on information uh, and sort of recording schedules and things like that. Um, we are actually going to try to make up for some lost time and try to release more than one episode per week. Uh, and we're also going to pick up right where we left off with our Phantom Train of Doom soundtrack review today. Uh, so hopefully you're all doing well and staying safe. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started, shall we? Yes. So as William said, we are reviewing Chapter 10, The Phantom Train of Doom soundtrack, which is produced by Joel McNeely and is available on the Volume 4 soundtrack CD. Uh, there were four there were four uh cds released uh and if you combine all of them they include almost all the music from all the episodes obviously that were released um there are 11 tracks around 34 minutes of music in total and we will be reviewing almost all of that today so without further ado why don't we start off with our first track welcome to africa yes uh so welcome to africa is the first track uh, on this uh, volume of music and most of the music is actually released uh, for this episode. I can't remember if we actually mentioned this in our Verdun score review, which was a good example of this, but from my understanding, the way that the CDs were made um, is they actually were comprised of suites uh, of music. So um, for, you know, uh, soundtrack enthusiasts and, you know, completists, uh, they are not the best uh, CDs ever because you're not getting every single second of music. Um, but this is one of the ones where I think uh, the suites and the rearrangement of cues actually works out pretty well. Uh, If you really dive into this episode, you are getting basically everything. You're not getting every second, but the main themes in the episode, uh, especially one of the tracks is eight minutes long in the Phantom Train of Doom cue that basically plays uh, throughout the huge train scene in the middle of the episode. You do get some of that as well. So really a great uh, kind of combination of episodes. And we even, uh, I think, have some of the bookend music from the original George Hall bookends in the 90s because we're starting off with Welcome to Africa here, and I actually think the first 30 seconds of this are unused in the re-edits uh, for home video, the 90-minute uh, Phantom Train of Doom uh, kind of combination here, uh, which originally was 90 minutes, but of course there were some bookends. So, um, But it's great that we have you know that access to that music because this first track, I love the kind of trumpet fanfare that starts this off, and we have a minor flute theme kind of in the background, and you're kind of getting introduced to Africa, as you could say. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you said, I don't think it's used either, but it does definitely introduce Africa. So whatever, I mean, I think personally, personally, this is just my general opinion for the, for the 90 minute episodes that were originally 90 minutes, they should have kept the bookends for those ones. But for the ones that they re-edited into 90 minutes, they should have removed them. Interesting. Uh, that's a good point you bring up. And actually, that's kind of cool to consider because there were a few like that. Uh, Mystery of the Blues, Scandal 1920, which we'll get to later. Um, but yeah, that's a cool idea, actually, because uh, those 90 minute ones were like this. So that's why Phantom Train of Doom is almost like a flawless episode when you look at, you know, the re-edits and things like that. Um, and I also really like, too, how you have this sort of fanfare aspect. But on the other hand, you see... Uh, Indian Remy uh, in Africa. And this is actually kind of this great idea of the music conveying the sense of location. And we've talked about this a lot. And I think this first part, which isn't even used, does a really great job of that. So this is Welcome to Africa. I love that first 30 seconds that we never actually hear in the episode. I really love the, you know, the brass and the fanfare. I think it really, you know, gives it, um, it really gives it that, you know, welcoming feel to the episode, uh, especially with that upbeat tone. And, you know, then we transition more into a strings and a light brass kind of tone where the, the tone of the song almost changes to, you know, very light and uplifting instead of, I mean, it, before it was more fanfare. Now it's kind of like uh, more like, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but maybe, you know, transitioning music, I guess you could say. Right. It, it definitely, I think you bring up a good point because this is, I kind of think of this like a little bit of a march in a sense. Uh, like you said, it is kind of uplifting because uh, this is actually the opening scene of the episode in which Indy and Remy uh, actually get a promotion uh, because they are in the Belgian army and they've now been uh, moved to Africa. And so they get promotions here. And so like you said, um, you have these flute and bells and this kind of melodic and, you know, uh, brisk sort of um, theme that plays, you know, uh, communicating that excitement that they have of, you know, transitioning into that sort of uh, role in the Belgian army. And so that's very apparent in uh, this great second part uh, that ends out the track. Welcome to Africa, you know, it's, it's, it's probably, it's, I, I don't know, I love all the tracks from this episode, but I would say this is definitely, you know, a great track, especially to start off the episode. And now we will be moving into The Wrong Way Train, which is the second episode, or sorry, second uh, track that plays here, um, which starts off with some African drums and a happy, upbeat tone. I really like, uh, you know, how this, how this really 
conveys the African safari kind of theme here. Absolutely. I completely agree. I, I, this is one of my favorite tracks in the sense that it's very unique. And like you said, it, I think, conveys a location very well uh, because you have that cool percussion and that sort of flute theme and a gradual progression into this huge epic fanfare uh, of all sorts of brass instruments and string instruments. And um, what I think is really great, too, is you see, like you said, the African safari. And this music behind it, um, it, it really gives it kind of that big epic feel. And we've talked about this before, how the Young Indiana Jones television series does a great job of really uh, going on location and shooting in all these real places. And the music definitely, I think, conveys that really gr uh, kind of uh, going to Africa on this grand scale. You know, this is something completely different than Indy and Remy have never experienced before. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it really... It's, it isn't something they have experienced before. I mean, they've been, I mean, as we saw in our, pre, in our previous episodes since Trenches of Hell, I mean, they're, they've been involved in the war, but they go to a different place each time, like Germany, France, you know, and here now they're in Africa, right? Yeah, and, and I like the mix of, again, those traditional kind of uh, ideas that represent the location, but also this, you know, grand orchestral uh, score that McNeely has matched uh, perfectly with that sort of sense of style. So uh, this is just a great track and I think uh, does a great job of conveying the location of the African safari. So this is The Wrong Way Train. second part of the song kind of here is almost I, I don't know how to put it but it's kind of like a reverse of the first part or m almost a take on it with and then we you know have some of this brass which is very very interesting considering we've only heard you know the African drums up to this point but now we have this you know brass upbeat kind of theme here which is very very interesting in my opinion. Absolutely and like you said it kind of signals a new scene you have this uh, really great transition um, with uh, this kind of, uh, you know, the, the these kind of cool bells in the background that are, you know, slightly commenting um, on the rest of the theme here. And um, I like the transition, especially back into the fanfare. You know, I, I really get that sense of like, wow, they're in Africa. And especially as, you know, they see the sunset and that sort of thing. And you've just got this very, you know, quiet, uh, sort of melody in the background and slight new theme that you're hearing. And then it just crescendos into this, you know, grand sort of fanfare from before. And so I like that it comes back. And this is very kind of symbolic of like victory in a sense, which is ironic because we have this sort of subtle ending 
that kind of alludes to when Remy notices uh, that the sun is in the wrong place. Yeah, I mean, those low strings at the very end, they definitely signify, you know, how Remy notices, oh, the sun, the sun is in the wrong place, signifying that they realize they've made a mistake going the wrong way. And after that great uh, ending of The Wrong Way Train, we transition into our third track that uh, goes along at the beginning of the episode with the African Safari, and that is Velt Voyage, um, which starts with this deep, rich sound of the violins and violas. And I love uh, any time composers uh, really use, utilize all sorts of aspects of instruments, right? When we think of a violin, oh, we think they always have the melody. It's a very high instrument. Um, but here we have this deep, low uh, timber of that sound. And you go back to the percussion and flute themes that we were hearing earlier. And this is just a, a, a beautiful theme that gives you, I, I, the thing I felt here was this is just such a dramatic theme and not in a bad way, in a good way. Uh, as you see all these sorts of animals, I mean, great shots, uh, you know, from a cinematography standpoint, as Indy and Remy are walking, you know, along the African safari. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, the African safari, it, it almost is, you know, Velt Voyage is almost kind of a mix of Welcome to Africa and The Wrong Way Train in a, in a sense, you know, because we start off with the African safari and then we go back to, uh, you know, a bit of the main theme there uh, with some brass mixed in there on when they're on the voyage, you know, trying to get to where they're going because they have taken the wrong way train at first. Right. And the, the biggest thing that I, I feel when I listen to this track is, um, you can just picture the sunset. You know what I mean? Um, so I think this track does a great job of also pairing really well with what's happening in the episode. Absolutely. I mean, I really love 
those the brass and the main theme and then we kind of transition into the woodwinds here with um an african flute uh which is a different type of flute but um still kind of sounds like flute but it uh does not have as many notes i found out i did a little research on that there um and it really adds to the mysterious tone of the second part of this song right and the you notice that change in mood right and again i love the instrumentation from the first three tracks and even the whole score too, because you've got a lot of different parts all over the place. You've got all sorts of different instruments, you've got different tones, moods that definitely convey the change in scene, um, which I think is definitely apparent, especially when you talk about Indy and Remy, you know, they're excited at the beginning, they've gotten promoted. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know, Remy's just blaming everything on Indy because they've gone the wrong way. And so that's exactly the kind of same idea that you have here with these minor sounds and and accents, you know, indicate uh, the wrong way of the sunset. And then you go back to this uh, grand uh, main theme at the end of the track. the dramatic and beautiful uh, track of Velt Voyage. We are now moving into uh, the first of many sort of uh, fanfares for this episode uh, as we start off with the 21st Royal Fusiliers. Uh, and this track actually uh, has uh, a few kind of similarities to other work. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to start kind of bringing up now uh, is some of these comparisons to other uh, film score composers. And this score was actually based off of John Williams a lot. And you're going to notice this in some of the samples that we play and have chosen today, uh, because specifically we want you to hear these similarities to some of John Williams' work. And so this track is uh, heavily based off of the 1991 movie Hook. Uh, which is composed by John Williams. And uh, this is very similar to the track The Banquet, I believe. I can't remember the exact name, but I think that's the track. And it starts off with, you know, this upbeat fanfare. It's very exciting. And I really like the instrumentation. And so this is kind of an example of what we were talking about earlier with one of those suites. Uh, you hear this all throughout. Um, so you'll hear this at the beginning and then kind of towards the middle of the episode when they come back over the hill. Uh, when uh, Colonel Minert Sagan notice, uh, notices them, you know, coming up the hill. Um, that is a great example of how this theme is used just throughout the entire episode in all. So it does a really great job of playing throughout and giving us this great uh, theme that, you know, it's very catchy, right? And that sort of idea here as well. Right. It's, you know, kind of like a march song almost, you know, like you've heard previously because, and you'll see that this, you know, this theme and many of the other themes, especially the next song, which I will not name at the moment, uh, definitely a, a part of it appears in this first part here. Um, but does reoccur in, in, if not all, most of the songs throughout the episode, because as you said, these next uh, few songs are, you know, the big fanfares that really represent and really, uh, yeah, basically represent the staple of this entire episode. 
And coming off of that great fanfare, we transition into uh, a second part, uh, which is a little bit more quiet and uh, sort of mellow. Uh, we have this flute theme with some string pizzicato in the background, um, and this almost kind of uh, low dramatic finish at, as this you know, theme comes back, you know, from the brass section there. Um, and I love how you think the track is going to end, but it's not. It's just a little bit of a different part. And so, uh, like you were mentioning, uh, even the themes that come back in the episode, the same actually goes for the track itself. You have the same main theme that you've heard at the beginning in different parts of all of these tracks. And then I think that's very evident in this track here. So here is another section of the 21st Royal Fusiliers. Oh my gosh, that low cello section is one is probably my favorite part of this song. And, you know, then we come back with, you know, a mysterious and builds back with these, uh, you know, strings, which really are very, very interesting, in my opinion, you know, how they, we've, we've gone from, uh, you know, happy to, uh, you know, very quiet, and then back to happy again, and then to mysterious strings. You know, part of me, we were talking about these suites from earlier. One of the things that is kind of cool about suites of music on just these uh, volume four CD uh, and just any sort of CDs in general uh, from film scores, um, they do kind of have that sense of um, different sort of moods and tones throughout um, because you have this sort of fanfare that's been like pieced together from different scenes in the episode. So on the other hand, it is kind of cool to listen to this track because you don't hear it just like this in the episode. And one of the things that I like about this track, which uh, I, I say this, of course, with uh, pos in, uh, pos positively, um, the simplicity and style of this. Uh, it's just a very simple uh, melody that uh, obviously is a great ode to the master, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, John Williams, uh, of course. So it has that awesome idea of going back to the main theme and the repetition is very, very important in a track like this, especially when you have similar sort of uh, scenes and uh, especially characters who are coming back to the episodes. Uh, so you have this great, awesome ending with a short motif that gets passed, you know, to each instrument. And I just love the uh, lively feeling of this great fanfare. And then will bring us right into one of my favorite tracks, if not my favorite track from this episode, The Old and the Bold, which really is basically the theme for The Old and the Bold Crew, which is about five old geezers plus indie. Um, <laughs> and it starts with these upbeat bells and brass, and then this big fanfare, which we will you will hear in um, almost every single song from here on to the end of the episode, you will hear a little parts of this, whether it's a different tone or a different key or a different, you know, a variation of the main theme of the Old and the Bold, you will hear it throughout the episode. And 
we, you know, we start off with these bells and brass and then a big fanfare. And it's just, it's lovely in my opinion. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up and how just this uh, sense of March and I guess, and this theme for these old guys is going to come up so many times in the episode. And especially like you said, I mean, you basically hear it at the rest of the tracks from here on out. And um, I love the, the trumpet theme here. It does again, have that very sort of epic feel. Um, and one of the things that I actually kind of find funny about this is, uh, of course, the, the personality and, and, you know, characteristics of this group known as the Old and the Bold, which we, you know, see throughout the episode. When I listen to this track, I almost laugh a little bit because this is such a serious and, uh, you know, theme for these guys. But you know that they don't take everything as seriously. You know what I mean? So, like, it is kind of funny in that respect that, uh, this theme kind of goes with sort of uh, the you know lighthearted and humorous personalities of the old and the bold, but also you've got this epic and deep sound. Uh, you, again, another great track that uses the rich sound of the strings. Um, each instrument also kind of comments on the theme throughout. Uh, so again, you have very sorts of different uh, things that are variations of just this simple theme. Like, again, I think McNeely does a great job of incorporating so many instruments into this one great theme. So this is The Old and the Bold. Love that part there with the big fanfare and something I wanted to mention uh, the old guy there he actually yells something that's really hilarious he's like uh, the guy yells that you better watch out for the motorcycles and the old geezer yells they better watch out for me yeah I, I love these sort of quotes which again they go with the music when you hear the music you remember those quotes and um, as we transition into this uh, kind of second part of the theme here uh, we have a new phrase, which is really interesting, but a similar style. Um, it really has this, you know, great ending with the woodwinds as well, that rich sound. And this is actually when they're driving uh, to the battlefield, to the beach uh, in Africa, when um, Indy uh, comes along with the old and the bold. And that's actually uh, where the first part plays. If you remember, uh, they all get in the truck. Uh, they continue on to go through the beach. So um, here is the ending uh, to one of the greatest tracks, I think, that really represents uh, the characters of the old and the bold.
I think that's the strongest song out of all of this episode. And that actually is a great transition to our next song, Tally Ho, which is in a sense almost a variation of the old and the bold, or at least it does reoccur many times throughout this episode. We start off with the brass and the old and the bold again with uh, a bit more strings and then some woodwinds this time. Yes, and uh, Tally Ho is actually one of the tracks that does appear uh, basically the entire track in this one scene. Uh, we go from the scene with uh, Big Mac when he says Tally Ho, um, and he goes through and we start again with these harsh accents, right? You've got this trumpet fanfare that we've been hearing with the strings and his gradual progression into this magnificent theme that plays as the sunset uh, goes over the African safari again, another ode uh, to some of the tracks at the beginning. Um, and I really love the violin and flute transition throughout this track. And like you said, the old and the bold theme does come up in this first part here and through these next couple of sections as well. So this is Tally Ho. And, you know, here we transition into a bit of a different, we, you know, leaving the old and the bold behind and we transition into this woodwinds with some brass. And then there's this uh, bit of a clarinet uh, kind of theme here, which is very, very interesting. Yeah, we've got this uh, very sort of mellow theme. This is when Indy uh, asks, you know, how did you guys form your own, you know, unit, uh, basically. And you've got this very emotional, lighthearted theme um, as uh, they all kind of mention uh, a little bit about their past and how that sort of influenced how they all came together in the end. Um, so again, very similar to the old, the bold, tally-ho, different renditions, different instrumentation. Uh, you've got this mellow trumpet theme too in the background. I love that part. That's one of my favorite parts about this track specifically, as you have the trumpet being utilized in a different way here than you know we have seen so far. So I think this is another great example of the different sort of styles and tones uh, that are portrayed well through uh, a variety of McNeely's tracks for this score. And then we transition back to the strings and the brass, but this time, you know, there's a more of a gentle and a delicate version of, the, of or a slow, old and the bold version. So, you know, we're kind of back to old and the bold, but it's uh, more slow and not as lively and upbeat, but it's more, you know, I don't know, emotional, I guess you could say. Especially uh, the cellos have the theme now. You've got a very warm sound here. Uh, I really like the rendition of the woodwinds here, and again, 
Uh, this is a great section of the piece that kind of builds on uh, what we heard earlier uh, with the flute as well. And then we end off this track kind of with these very fast and kind of suspenseful and building uh, with these fast staccato strings in the brass. And then it's just, it really comes in with the big crescendo with this big bass drum and it really is, you know, clear fanfare kind of ending here. Absolutely. And uh, it does transition into kind of the next scene in the actual episode itself. And I love the use of the violin in this part. We have uh, this uh, technique called tremolo, which they use. And I also really like the high notes at the end. It gives you that sort of chilling sound, especially uh, which is what you kind of associate with the Phantom Train itself as we progress throughout the episode. So definitely a dark trumpet sound. And we get introduced to uh, the main theme that you heard at the very beginning of the episode, the first kind of like few seconds uh, as we opened up right before Welcome to Africa. Um, that is kind of that theme that you heard. Uh, so we hear kind of the, this is kind of a first glimpse at the main Phantom Train theme. Speaking of the Phantom Train, that transitions into our next track, Chasing the Phantom Train, which starts off with strings and brass and kind of an upbeat, rapid chasing theme, you could say. Yeah, I really like this one. Um, and I like that uh, this theme reoccurs throughout the episode, uh, especially when you look at this uh, episode from a soundtrack standpoint, you are going to hear these first like 20 seconds so often in the entire episode. And this is when they are searching for the train. And again, I have to agree with you there. I love the kind of upbeat uh, and suspenseful feel. And there's also some great trumpet motifs in there as well. Yes, definitely. And, you know, it really is uh, symbolic of that tension that is kind of building and the uh, uh, just, you know, they don't know what's going to, what every second is holding for them, you know? And then we go back to this upbeat and strong and very, very, uh, you know, fanfare again with the old and the bold variation. It's not the exact same, but it is an old and the bold variation. Right. Yeah. So I, I just love that this uh, track really does convey that sort of tension building, that suspense, uh, and kind of that search for the Phantom Train. So uh, this is the first section of Chasing the Phantom Train.
you know, and then we kind of almost continue with the old and the bold mixed with, you know, the main thing that, as you said, we hear uh, in the very, very beginning of the episode. And it's, it's very, very interesting. You know, we hear it throughout all the tracks, even though we don't really hear the main one until right here in Chasing the Phantom Train. This is probably my favorite part of this track here. I really like the instrumentation here. We start off with some bells and woodwinds and then lead into this like kind of jolly string theme, I guess you could say, right? Very kind of upbeat and very, up, you know, uh, the, the definitely kind of a different tone from, you know, uh, the last part of Tally Ho or the beginning of this track here. So um, this is, again, another great example of uh, just the great instrumentation that Neely used uh, for all of his tracks uh, from this episode. So here's another part of Chasing the Phantom Train. And then we kind of transition into a uh, John Williams track that actually plays in Last Crusade. And as Williams said here, we're hearing a lot of similarities to John Williams' music here, which, as we know uh, from previous score reviews, uh, Joan McNeely does definitely like to model his songs after John Williams. Yeah, it definitely gives you that Indiana Jones-esque feel. And like you said, we have a deep, epic sound here, uh, a great violin theme, and the old and the bold theme comes back here. Um, which I think does a great job of, again, kind of reiterating uh, the sort of melodies and themes that go with certain uh, characters, or in this case, an object with the Phantom Train. So uh, this is another great example of uh, a great rendition of the old and the bold theme. We're going to end this track here with this upbeat and old and the bold kind of theme. But then we kind of transition into more of a melancholy and, you know, worrying tone, I guess you could say. And we have a sad version or a melancholy version of the main theme that plays here as we end out chasing the phantom train. Yeah, there's this kind of dramatic suspense, uh, a little bit more scary than some of the more like heroic themes, I guess you could say, that we've heard earlier. Um, and this is when they actually find the phantom train. They're getting close to finding it. Uh, and it goes off into the distance. I love that scene when Indy says it really is a phantom train. Uh, and, you know, the phantom train just completely disappears and they have no idea where it went. So, again, this is kind of um, kind of a prelude to that sort of scene um, and, and that sort of musical cue there as well. So, again, another great job of really going uh, and matching well with the uh, scenes in the episodes. Thank you. 
that will transition into our main theme for this episode, the Phantom Train of Doom, which is where the episode gets its name from, which is starts off with very mysterious and then starts to sound like Belly of the Steel Beast, which is also by John Williams. The main thing uh, in this track is just a complete ode to Last Crusade here. I mean, all eight minutes of this is just pure gold, uh, the holy grail of soundtracks. Um, <laughs> you're, you really are getting a, a really cool rendition of John Williams' theme. Some people may say uh, this is really way too close to his stuff. He's just kind of copying off of him. And, you know, I would agree with that in some respects. But on the other hand, again, you aren't getting an exact replica. You are getting sort of um, kind of a rendition of it. And this first part uh, is really cool because you have these violin themes, very uh, accented staccato notes, this awesome theme uh, when they start setting the charges in the train itself. And like you said, I like the exciting ode to Last Crusade here. And what the cool thing about this first part is it's kind of its own theme, right? Like if you were to just listen to this first part, it doesn't sound very, very similar to Last Crusade. You do can pick up on those odes. But what I really like is the transition into the next part. So uh, here's kind of the first example of McNeely's theme. And then after that, we'll play uh, the same sort of idea of uh, kind of expanding upon Billy the Steel Beast. So here's the first part of the Phantom Train of Doom. <laughs> And, you know, we continue here with uh, the same kind of Belly of the Steel Beast theme, but it's a bit higher this time and, you know, a bit faster and big brass, which is the whole point of Belly of the Steel Beast. But it's very, very, it's, it's different, but it's also the same. I don't know exactly how to describe it. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's similar in its own ways to Last Crusade, but also very different in its own ways as well. And I like the gradual build to sound like Last Crusade, because this first part that we just heard sounds like Last Crusade, but this part really takes it up another level. And now you are getting some of the very, very similar uh, sort of orchestrations and cues uh, to Last Crusade. So uh, listen for the very similar cues to Belly the Steel Beast in the next part of the Phantom Train of Doom.
And then we skip ahead here a bit to uh, the a fast chasing theme when they're, you know, they're ch chasing the train as it's leaving out of this uh, mountain converted to a uh, military base, which really is symbolizing tension with these big strings and brass kind of fanfare and really is dramatic and really, you know, just upbeat, really harsh, rich, sharp, blaring sound. One of the things that is awesome about this uh you may have picked up the little ode to the raiders uh, of the lost ark desert chase uh we have some sort of uh themes here uh with the trumpets uh and the percussion section that sound very very similar to desert chase and that is an awesome part i love it uh it does again very very uh unique on its own but then you also have sort of uh this originality to mcneely's score so uh again listen for some of the odes to john williams music in this next part of phantom train of doom up this you know track this main track of this entire episode here i would think that since all the other ones have ended different like uh with some brass and strings thrown in there this one is very very simply ending it just ends like a regular old fanfare yeah it's a very abrupt ending for sure especially when you talk about like uh the style and the dramatic feel that you've gotten from this track so far like wow this is definitely a lot different um, you have lots of exciting action themes for sure at the beginning, but again, like you said, uh, going into this kind of more abrupt ending, uh, especially at the end, right? You stop right on that one uh, solid note at the end. There's no like dramatic ending or sort of fade out or anything, just a dramatic stop at the end, which uh, also during this scene, which is one of my favorite parts of this whole Phantom Train sequence, is when Indy uh, takes the train in reverse. That's actually what's playing uh, in this sort of section of the track here, which uh, is a re really, really an awesome scene. Talk about like great stunts and stuff. I love that scene. And after coming off of this great action fanfare cue, uh, we now start transitioning into uh, three of the tracks that represent the second half of um, this sort of episode. And uh, we're also going to, I wanted to bring up that we were talking about uh, kind of the sort of um, uh, special arrangements that were made for the CD. 
um, you do hear a lot of the tracks uh, and musical cues from this first half in the second half. So especially writers that are coming over the hill, like I was mentioning, you do hear uh, the, the Old and the Bold theme, 21st Royal Fusiliers. Um, and then we transition into the Caper Continues, uh, which is a very, very interesting track. Uh, you have some deep minor notes of the viola section here, uh, slurs and staccato, and I love this section that's about 30 seconds in or so uh, because, you know, it's this quiet sort of uh, very, um, it, it's just a really cool theme because I love the sound of the strings here, rich sound, um, and there's also a really cool, awesome uh, cello part in here as well, which is cool, and it has like that march kind of feel to it as well. Definitely. And, you know, there are some woodwinds thrown in there, which is very, very interesting and really adds to the brisk, but also um, harmonic tone almost. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this this first part does represent a complete change uh, in, you know, the great action fanfare sequences that we've had so far and goes into more of a mysterious and kind of uh, more fun uh, track to represent uh, Indian Remy going on another adventure. Uh, with Frederick Salou and uh, the Old and the Bold. transitioning uh, into the second part of this track here, which is uh, when Indy and Remy uh, are actually in disguise uh, going across uh, Africa here uh, to try to go back to Lake Victoria. Um, and this is when um, Frederick Salou actually uh, shoots the saddle of Margaret, the, uh, the famous German uh, aviator. And I love the sort of low cello bass and tuba theme here. And uh, you, it's, it's just kind of another, like, these rhythms represent this kind of jolly theme. Uh, you know, of course, right when um, uh, Margaret kicks uh, Indy right down to the ground, right, as he offers to help her up. Uh, so a, 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 another great ending uh, with this scale and then that dramatic last note, I guess you could say. It's also very, like, uh, it's very abrupt, like it's right there. Um, it's just this one sort of, like, simple, like, pop at the end, which is really cool as well. Right, definitely. And, you know, we end with that big fanfare ending and the low cellos. And, you know, as you said, it's when they're shooting this German spy down, which uh, one of the Old and the Bold members actually turns out to know, which is very, very interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, and I love how this uh, music really matches the dialogue very well. Um, and I love just the cool sound of this track. It's very unique um, compared to some of the other great fanfares we've had in this episode. Um, so here's another section of The Caper Continues.
going to transition into our next track, which is the native battle. Uh, and this happens uh, very close to the end of the episode uh, when Indy is uh, with the uh, Von Leto at the end. Uh, it starts off with what we think is a rendition of the old and the bold theme. Uh, but then we have this really kind of cool theme, uh, this really kind of suspense and this very, uh, very cool instrument here. I'm not very familiar with what this instrument is, but I love the cool sound that we're getting at the opening of this track. All I know is that it is some, uh, it's some African instrument. I don't know what it is off the top of my head. I would have to look it up, but it is, uh, it's, this one sounds a, a lot like Indy's very first adventure as well as the next one will. And yeah, we think it's the old and bold, but it's actually a variation a little bit on the main theme here. This is the native battle. And then uh, we start transitioning after this very sort of, um, you know, very mysterious uh, sort of opening here uh, when Indy, Remy, and Von Leto uh, are surprised to see, uh, you know, everyone on the top of the hill. Uh, we transition into, uh, again, some uh, great African drums in the percussion section, uh, an upbeat sort of scary theme, uh, and the idea that, you know, there's going to be an action sequence. Uh, there's going to be some sort of uh, scene here. Uh, this is right before the Von Leto scene as well. And I love this kind of um, grim uh, and almost exciting variation on some of these other fanfares. It, it, this is one of the more unique tracks. Uh, again, kind of going to like the wrong way train, a very unique uh, in its sound. It's not, uh, does have some very cool parts to it. And I think this is one of those tracks that really goes well uh, with the scene, uh, you know, when Indian Remy are, you know, with Von Leto, of course, right before the native battle. Uh, so uh, th this uh, next section specifically, listen for uh, the unique sound that McNeely was able to create. And here ending this track, we start with some brass and then it gets rapid and more exhilarating, I guess, and you could say. And then there are some drums in the background. And this actually sounds a little bit like another song from uh, which from a different episode called Desert Storm. It's very, very interesting. I love personally, I love Desert Storm, but um, I, this track really uh, reminds me of that track a lot. Yeah, uh, this actually is very, very similar to. Uh, one of Miguel's tracks from Oganga, the Giver and Taker of Life, the next Young Indie episode called Desert Storm. There's a little bit of a hint in there um, because I, yeah, this episode was made after uh, the two-part Oganga story that aired in the beginning of season one of the show, uh, so which is really cool. I love the loud accents, the crescendos. We got the scene building, uh, you know, the rapid changes, these fanfare themes with very sharp strings, right? You get that very sharp sound. Um, again, it's it's a very cool action theme. I, I really like how McNeely, again, wanted to do some John Williams stuff, and we saw that with, uh, you know, the take on Hook and uh, some of the tracks from Last Crusade and Raiders. 
But now this is unique stuff. Um, this is kind of his own unique take on some really great tracks. And this is another uh, great action sequence uh, that ends out the track. And that will transition into our last track, sadly, for this episode, called Indy Hijacks the Balloon, which is very, 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 very similar <laughs> to uh, another track by John Williams called Indy Varies for Indy's Very First Adventure, which we have heard uh, some snippets of or some, uh, something sounds a lot like it in these previous tracks. But this sounds almost, it's not identical, but it sounds a lot. And it really wraps up the episode because it does include uh, a lot of themes from all around the episode. And it's a great track, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is uh, kind of an interesting track to end the CD with, but uh, this is during uh, the scene when they actually capture Von Leto and Indy and Remy are in the balloon and it's taking off and uh, Frederick Salou and the old, the bold are all on the ground. Um, and they're kind of like, there's this whole great scene where they're shouting at Indy and oh, just a great scene. I love that. It's hilarious. Um, but I love the first part here of this, which actually you heard at the beginning of today's episode that paired with our quote, uh, so you have the scene with Von Leto in the balloon, right? The trumpet motif uh, to symbolize uh, kind of the fast pace of the scene, right? Because you have Frederick Salou, who's shouting at Indy to get back down here. And then meanwhile, you have Indy and Remy taking off uh, in the balloon, right? Um, and I love just how this track, and this is evident in the first part and the next parts here, you get that sort of idea. The, the, there's a reprise of the old and the bold. Uh, sounds different than a lot of the themes we've heard before, but again, another great action sequence. So this is the first part of Indie Hijacks the Balloon. <laughs> You know, we continue on here with a little bit more of the old and the bold. And, you know, a lot of this track actually, you know, repeats itself because we have the old and the bold, then more old and the bold, then we go, go back to in these very first adventure. But then we have this big, this different, which is a big brass sound, but it does still sound a little like John Williams style of music. Absolutely. We have more of the old, the bold, and a lot of uh, John Williams styles here. I'm, there's uh, the Indies very first adventure scene. 
uh, when he's running from uh, the Grave Robbers. Lots of similarities there. Um, I'm also getting some more Star Wars vibes as well. Uh, I, I do like the sound of uh, John Williams here. Uh, short staccato uh, with percussion and a lot of instruments from the brass section. Um, and the battle scene below, like you totally can envision this whole scene going, right? Uh, Donald Parks is driving, you know, crazy and you've got Indy and Remy, uh, another great action sequence um, with some very, very cool odes uh, to John Williams music. And then we transition back into Indy's very first adventure. But first, we're going to hear some rapid strings, which uh, does appear in Indy's very first adventure, but is different, but is definitely a John Williams style and very exhilarating and suspenseful. Yeah, it's an awesome sound. I love the fast and brisk uh, sort of strings here. Uh, the trumpets give it that last, last crusade motif, like right when he's on the train. Uh, that very, very famous motif. It's like, it's it's literally directly out of his music. Like, it's right in the score. Like, there, it's not a rendition. It's just, it's that little motif, that trumpet motif. I love that part. Um, you've got this sort of uh, percussion section that's just uh, commenting and kind of the background of these uh, great action sequences here. So um, this is another great part that, again, very similar to Indy's very first adventure. Uh, that's, again, this is one of the tracks that really is uh, focused on taking Odes to John Williams. But hey, I mean, you definitely get this Indiana Jones style feel from uh, the action sequence in the episode itself to the music that matches it perfectly. So uh, here's another great sample of Indy hijacks the balloon. And sadly, ending off this track, we have some slow strings and woodwinds, and then we reprise the main theme here, which is a great way to end off this episode, in my opinion, you know, with the happy strings, the bells and the brass, and a very warm and strong ending. Yes, uh, this is such an emotional track, just like before. Uh, this is when they're overlooking that lagoon, right, when they're in the balloon, and you see this uh, you know, the great landscapes of Africa, uh, the trills from the flute. Um, and this actually is very, very, very similar 
to Indy's very first adventure. Uh, we've been talking about some of these oats. This is basically Indy's very first adventure right here. And I love the last note too. Oh, just a very expressive way uh, to end this track. So uh, here is a great, beautiful uh, rendition of that great theme from Last Crusade. So here is the final part of Indy Hijacks the Balloon. Wow, I really like that ending a lot, and uh, that's a great way to conclude the last track from the Phantom Train of Doom. But before we go here, uh, I wanted to play one last sample of music from Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, uh, because we've been talking about so many of these similarities, but of course, for the sake of time, we can't just sit here and compare everything to John Williams, but I did want to play uh, the sample about a minute into Indy's very first adventure, uh, that, like you said, sounds very similar to Indy Hijacks the Balloon. So here is a small sample of Indy's very first adventure from Last Crusade by John Williams. As you heard, that is so similar to Indy Hijacks the Balloon, and there are definitely snippets from that in other, in some of the other tracks throughout this episode. Now, I want to take a minute to talk about our favorite track from this episode. What was yours? Wow, um, this is such a hard uh, choice. There's just so many great tracks from this one. I mean, you heard all the great odes to John Williams, which give you the Indiana Jones feel. Um, this, for me, though, just before I get into my favorite track, this has to be one of my favorite scores in general. Uh, I really, really love, I mean, it's so hard to decide his favorite score for me, but this has to be one of the top ones for me, definitely. I mean, like just so many great themes here that has a great sense of originality. It conveys the location, uh, great themes for the characters, um, and also a great performance by the orchestra. Uh, for those of you who own the Volume 4 CD, I actually read this in the insert booklet the other day. This was actually, uh, I, I'm not sure the specifics of this, so don't quote me on this, but supposedly this was the first sort of film score recording for uh, the West, uh, the Western Australia Orchestra or something. I don't know. Joe McNeely mentioned this in his uh, notes for Volume 4. Uh, that, yeah, this was like, I guess, the first... I'm guessing not first performance, but probably first like recorded film score or something. And they just nailed it out of the park. I mean, great job. I think my favorite track though has to be uh, probably The Wrong Way Train, which I know might come as a surprise considering how great these action tracks are. But I have just 
always liked the originality of that track. Um, so many other great ones. A close second um, has to be the Phantom Train of Doom um, because I love the odes to John Williams in there. Um, but again, can't count any of these out. They're so great. And like you heard uh, from that comparison to Indy's very first adventure, I mean, just some great uh, comparisons to John Williams as well. So uh, what's your favorite track? Oh my gosh, that's so hard to decide. I mean, all of the tracks from this score are just so phenomenal. I mean, I don't, it's so hard to choose, but it has to be either Tally Ho or the Own the Bold because they're they're very similar, but you know, Tally Ho has some differences to the Old and the Bold, and they're they're. Just, I could just listen to these on repeat for a few hours if I really needed to. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Two great picks there as well. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of these. Uh, just such a great score, and um, you know, this was one of the last soundtrack releases. This came out in 1994. Um, I'm so glad that they released this track again or this CD um, because uh, you know the, the show was kind of coming to a close and they did end up releasing this one some this is probably my favorite uh cd out of all four love the island stuff which we've already talked about love the phantom train of doom stuff and some underrated stuff from northern italy 1918 also known as tales of innocence um but yeah i also uh even though we talked about like the the arrangements of suites and stuff I really don't have a problem with it when it comes to this score. I think this is a this is a brilliant score. Of course, it is missing a little bit of music, but so many great themes. And um, you know, for those of you who are new to the soundtracks, I encourage you to uh, consider buying the Volume Four CD and listening to the soundtrack in its entirety. We just played uh, a few samples, actually, the majority of the music we played actually, uh, but just a few kind of samples to uh, get you interested in the score and uh, kind of show you why uh, these scores are so great. Uh, with the accompanying episodes of Young Indie. Um, so I think that about uh, wraps up today's score review. Uh, I also want to point you to two great resources if you want to learn more about the music. First, a great website called youngindianajonesmusic.com. Uh, we've mentioned this a few times. Uh, go over there if you want to learn more about the soundtrack, some great uh, information over there. And if you want to listen to some sample tracks, go over to a great YouTube channel called Young Indie Score. Uh, that's a great YouTube channel if you want to listen to some sample tracks um, from uh, any sort of episodes from young Indiana Jones. So, uh, yeah, this was our score review for The Phantom Train of Doom. We're going to move into even more score reviews as we get to some of the more episodes. We're now going to be kind of moving into more of the uh, complex and detailed ones when it comes to sourcing, uh, because now we're going to be looking at some unreleased tracks from some of the games and that sort of stuff uh, as we keep going through all of these episodes. So um, thanks for joining us again, and uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. Once again, I'm Max. And I'm Will. And until next time, so, so long, Dr. Jones. Jones.